Thank you, Lord. It's time for the reading of God's Word. If you will, we're going to be looking at two passages of Scripture. Uh, if we'll turn to 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 10. 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, then we'll be turning over to Acts chapter 17. And there are Bibles there in the rack in front of you, uh, or you can follow along as, uh, on the screen as well. Those who are able, if you'll stand at this time for the reading of God's Word. And 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10, I'll read as you follow along. The Bible says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and it is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. Then if you'll turn over to Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, and we'll be reading four verses there, verses 1 through 4 of Acts chapter 17. Bible says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear like that one phrase in there, search no father, farther than the unfailing father. You know, most of the time we get in trouble, we search for a lot of things, a lot of outs, but uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has always been our out. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And uh, well, that's a, that's a good reminder of that. Thank you again for being with us today. <clears throat> I don't, I don't often do this, but I I do want to make a little bit of plug for our other services, and I was thinking about it this uh, past week, might have been last week even, but uh, we, uh, I was speaking with someone and going over a few things with them, and I found myself almost re-preaching in our conversation a message that we had given at a service where this individual wasn't able to be there, and... Uh, I don't think that, uh, that I have the answers for every problem. I know the Word of God does. And I, I find over the years, in 30-plus in years now, um, well, my wife and I, we celebrated our 34th anniversary yesterday. And so 34 years of ministry, because um, we got married on Saturday, June 8th, just like this. And then uh, this fell on a Saturday yesterday. And on Tuesday, we were headed out to uh, California. We got married in Kentucky, headed to California. You know the story, loaded up the truck, and we moved to Beverly. Anyway, um, (laughs) some of y'all didn't get that. It's Old Testament, but uh, it's uh, a song. How many of you know that one? How many of you could probably sing it right now? 
kinfolk said, Jed, move away from... Oh, come on, come on now, you know. Some of you still have no idea what I'm talking about, man. Um, boy, now I really got to filter because there's, there's so much going through there. But. So on Tuesday, we loaded up the U-Haul and we headed to Southern California. So and the very next Saturday, we started in ministry. But I have seen this over those decades of ministry. Most of what we, most of what we face in life can be answered by the Lord. And I would hate to miss a service where God had something I needed, and I didn't get it. Um, and God always has something you need, always. And I don't, I don't ever beat people up for not going to church, because church was never my idea. In fact, I didn't want to come today. Man, I was tired. We were up late. So some of you say, I can't believe you talk like that, Pastor. Come on, don't you ever feel that way? Some of you just sprung out of bed and you thought, yes, it's Sunday. Um, I don't. Now, a lot of Sundays I do, and I'm very grateful to, to get to preach. I, I'm, don't misunderstand me, but I don't always feel that way. Some of you, man, it was like, oh, and you, you know it. But so I, so I don't beat you up for, com- for not coming because church, as I said, it was God's idea. God's the one who said, forsake not these so many of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. But I, so anyway, just very, very quickly, I, I did want to mention uh, tonight. This morning, Lord willing, we're going to finish this series because I have another one I want to get into, and that's David. We're, we're going to try to go through the Psalms and where David was when he wrote them. And I don't mean just by the physical location, but what was happening. What was, he, what was he thinking? What was he doing? What was, uh, uh, what was going on in David's life? And I have found that study to be fascinating. And so if the Lord will let us, we're, we're going to start that soon. But this morning, I do want to finish with this particular thought, and that is where people go to get away from God. I don't think most people plan to get away from God. I don't think people set out typically and say, I just want to get as far away from God as I can. I think it happens. And uh, with the Lord's help, we'll, we'll, we'll drive home a few points that I think will be a help to us to this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for your help, your favor. Please guide and direct our words, our thoughts. Help us in these few moments. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Very, very quickly, uh, Demas left Paul. We know that Titus left. We know that Crescens left. The only one we know exactly why he left was Demas, because Paul singularly says, having loved this present world. But he went to a place, Thessalonica, a city with a population currently of over a million people. But in those days, it was a very, very busy city on a trade route. And so it was worldly in many respects, but it's where Demas went. Paul warned that church in the letters of First and Second Thessalonians about problems they had in that city. And I think you can draw from that, why did Demas go there? Because it was a place that was, if you want to say it, it was messed up. It was mixed up. It was marred up. And that's where he went. I think one of the reasons was he was unable to endure persecution. Paul told me, he told the church at Thessalonica, he said, I told you this would happen. May I remind you, it's never getting easier for the child of God. Your faith will always be under fire. You find we live in a culture that is very bent on politically, uh, political correctness. And 
I don't ever want to be politically correct. I, I would prefer to be biblically correct. I think that's what God would have us to be. Now, I don't want to get in political fights, and I don't want to, I don't want to name, call, and slam this side or that side, but there are things about which the Bible is very clear that, that I don't, it doesn't matter to me that society uh, takes issue. For instance, the, the issue of abortion is so clear, cut, and dry from the Word of God that no child of God should ever have a question at all about it. No child of God. And it, that's, to me, sometimes people say, well, yeah, you know, stay out of politics. That's not politics. That's morality. That's right and wrong. That's the truth of the word of Scripture. The, the Bible says, God said, and I, I'm not going to preach on that this morning, but it does get me going. Uh, but the Bible's very, very clear. Uh, before, uh, before, when you were in the womb, God said, I knew you. The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. John the Baptist leaped in the womb at the announcement of the birth of Christ coming. Um, the Bible tells us that. And so I, I, I was joyed to learn uh, two weeks ago of the youngest, uh, the smallest baby to be born, uh, was born in San Diego, weighed eight ounces and survived. It was born this past year, in fact, I think born in December and went home in March uh, weighing then over five pounds, and those that are that are um, the pro-choice crowd. And by the way, that's not pro-choice. They like to they give they give such nice terms to things, don't they? Why don't they just call it what it is? Um, boy, I'm not being politically correct this morning. Uh, that's not pro-choice. That's pro-murder. So, nonetheless, but uh, they don't like those kind of stories. So this this woman had to give birth. And uh, I think she was at 23 weeks. The child weighed eight ounces. There was a picture of it in the, in the uh, surgeon's uh, hand, and it literally fit uh, in, in, in that much. It was just, just amazing. But even at that size, you could, see, you could see a face. You could see eyes. You could see the development. And the child went home, I think, four months later, weighing over five pounds with no developmental issues. And, uh, man, that's, uh, that's impressive. Uh, but nonetheless, I don't want to be politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. And, I, I, listen, I, I don't ever want to offend because of Stuart Mason, but I don't mind offending because of the Bible. If the Bible is an offense, then something's wrong with us. The Bible, in fact, the Bible says the Word of God is a rock. Did you know that? That means it breaks some things. And uh, if you have an issue with me, and I'm wrong, I'll apologize. But if you have the issue with the Word of God, then you have to take that up with a higher authority than me, uh, because I'm not an authority, but the Word of God is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. And boy, I have just taken a huge detour. I must get back. But I think Demas went to a place that he knew, uh, I, can, I, can, I can hide here. I won't have to worry about getting tough. I won't have to give my opinion and he was unable to endure persecution or hard times. Second thing, you became careless in their daily walk. Very easy to do as a child of God. You and I have heard it so many times. In fact, I, I think what happens a lot of times is we come to church, we hear a truth from the Word of God, the Spirit of God speaks to us. Not something that I've said necessarily, because the way the Holy Spirit works is He can speak to you uniquely about what's going on in your life, whether it's hurt, suffering, whether it's something you're struggling with, anything at all. And I don't even have to mention it, but that's the way the Holy Spirit works. The Bible says that he will guide you into all truth. And so when God does that, he brings something to our attention. But a lot of times we don't do anything about it. It's like going to the doctor's office. I mentioned this Thursday night. 
It's like going to the doctor's office and getting a prescription and never getting it filled. Many times we come to church and God says, this is something you need to do. You need to correct this. You need to adjust this or you need to change this. And we say, boy, that's good. But we don't do anything about it. We still got that prescription. And uh, you'll see that prescription or many times it'll say, please complete this. Take all of this. And sometimes with a prescription, you'll think two or three days into it, I'm feeling better. I'm going to stick them on the shelf. I don't want to take them. But sometimes that entire course of medicine has to has to work through your system. So that's why they say complete the entire cycle, particularly if it's like antibiotics or something like that. But if you've ever gotten a prescription and you get, didn't get it filled, it doesn't matter what it is. It's similar in many cases to us spiritually. When you come to church and you hear something, yeah, yeah that's good, and uh, I'll probably pick it up next week or maybe next month, or maybe I'll make a change, maybe I'll make a correction here. We become careless in our daily walk. Thirdly, we become indifferent and lazy, believing the Lord's return is not intimate. It's the attitude, I've heard this over and over, I know, I know, Jesus is coming, I know he's coming, but he hasn't come, and I've, listen, I've heard that preached since I, as long as I could remember. I literally remember hearing that preached at a church that was, that had no air conditioning, they didn't even have a, a furnace, they had a potbelly stove in the front of the church, and uh, boy, that would get you to sit in front of the church during the winter months, I suppose. Uh, but, but nonetheless, and that was how the church was heated. It was hard wooden pews, and uh, they'd open the windows up in the summertime. It was my grandparents' church, and I can remember going there, and that preacher preached that Jesus was coming, and I literally, in my mind, I was looking out the window. And when he said he's coming, I thought, man, I, I got to get ready. He's coming. I, I, I literally thought he was coming. And I still do, even though I've heard it for 50 years. And so sometimes, yeah, I know he's coming. Jesus is coming. And so we become lazy thinking we've got plenty of time. Then the fourth thing is we're dependent upon help and encouragement from others. Somebody's got to say something. If nobody said anything about my song or if nobody said anything about uh, this or nobody noticed that I cleaned this particular thing or nobody noticed that I did this and I, I need that encouragement. Or sometimes you just came in and you've been kicked all week spiritually speaking, and you crawled in, spiritually speaking, and you need a good word. The Holy Spirit knows that, by the way. But if you don't get a good word from someone in church or someone in your row or, or as they were shaking hands, you made eye contact, but you didn't shake hands with them, and you wondered, did they have an issue with me, or is there a problem somewhere? You didn't get that help, and you didn't get that encouragement, and so you grow weary because of it. And Paul warned the church at Thessalonica about that, and so, so much so that he said, I sent Timothy there because I knew he could help you. Don't be the kind of Christian that, that always has to have somebody notice everything they do. Do you realize God keeps better records than anybody else? You, you and I have done things, and we got to be careful about doing them for the wrong reasons and the wrong motives. The fifth thing, friction with other believers. There was a problem with these people being able to get along with each other. And Paul could write about this because he had his own issues, if you remember, with his missionary journeys. There was, there was a guy, and he said, man, I'm not going anymore with him. You know, he's, forget it. I don't even want him traveling with us. But friction with other believers can be a reason why people bolt on God. There are people perhaps not, sometimes people say, well, I don't want to go to church. There's too many hypocrites there. I may dare say that most of us have been or are at some point in our life. We don't do everything we know the Word of God tells us to do. We don't act every, every way that we know God tells us to. There's probably very few uh, uh, that, that, that could say even this morning, I know I'm praying like I should. Because, boy, then that would be the height of pride. 
I, I know that I'm doing everything that I should, and boy, to the best of my ability, you know, I realize every time I come into the house of God, I read the Word of God, I'm reminded of how short I fall. But sometimes we have friction with one another, and you do not want that to happen. I ought to be able to get along with people. The Bible says, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. We get angry. Our culture gets angry. Our society gets angry. And we, we, it's, it's which side can talk and tweet the loudest and the most ugly. And I wish they'd all stop. Can I say that? I wish they'd all stop. And I, listen, I, I, man, I am for our president, our country, and I'm a firm believer in our, our conservative Christian values. But I wish they'd all shut up. Don't, I mean, just sometimes, I wish, you know, I come out of this meeting, and so I'm going to tweet about the speaker, and I come out of this meeting, and I'm going to tweet. I just wish they'd all stop. I wish there was some decency left in our representative, representative government. Anyway, boy, I've gotten real political today, haven't I? But friction with other believers, has that happened to you? And then finally, let me get to these last couple thoughts. This, I think, is one of the most damaging Paul was preaching, and I think Demas just got tired of it. He stopped responding. You say, how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells us in the passage that Andy helped us in reading, or or the verses just prior to Andy's reading there in Acts 17, the Bible says these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Now, he's talking about another city, and he's saying, you guys in Thessalonica you were not this way. Because those in Thessalonica, they were unreceptive to the Word of God. That's what he's saying right here. He distinguishes between the church at Antioch, and he said the church at Antioch, this is how they were. But not those in Thessalonica, in that they received the Word. So Antioch received the Word, with all readiness of mind, search the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. This is one of the first cases of a church being used as an illustration in a negative vein. And so he's saying, these guys, I'm going to tell you one of their problems. Demas goes to this place, and so he goes to a church where there's little response to preaching. I'm going to ask you a question. By the way, it might get uncomfortable. We don't have a lot of time left, so you can just hang on for a few moments. It's kind of like the, when you go, go to the hospital or the doctor for a procedure, and this will only hurt for a little bit. That's kind of like this. When's the last time you've been to the altar? Or let me ask you this. Boy, it's going to get real uncomfortable here. Do you not need to? Have we just gotten so comfortable in church. And I'm not asking for a big altar call. In fact, we may even throw it out the window and not even have one today because I don't want you to feel compelled. And I'm not trying to twist your arm, but I just want to ask you this. When's the last time you responded to preaching? When's the last time you, you felt so compelled by God? He's so moved in your heart. He's so stirred. He's so challenged. He's so convicted that you felt, I've got to do something about this. I don't want to just keep coming to church and walking out the doors and being the same as I was. You know, be, you know, I got a membership to Planet Fitness. I don't know the last time I went. 
Now, they do. They have a record because you've got to scan on your phone. I don't know the last time I went. I've got all these excuses. It's been busy. And you know, because I see you there from time to time, and so we cross paths. Hey, how you doing? You on the Stairmaster and me on the treadmill. And, and we, we give the, you know, how guys always wave to each other. You know, it's kind of like that. It's the universe. How you doing? Everything's great in my world. I hope it is in yours, too. And that's kind of it. You know, women, they embrace. Guys, don't do that. We just kind of, hey, how you doing? But I haven't been there in a long time. And you know what? I'm okay driving by. I feel bad about, you know, the money that I put in their account every month that they, they take out. My wife and I keep saying now that we moved all the way to Newburgh, you know, it's like the other end of the world. But, but will we ever go back there again? I don't know. But I've got that membership there, and I can go in there anytime I want, but I don't really do anything about it. And sometimes we have the opportunity to come to church, we hear the preaching of the Word of God. And I'm not talking about me. If you think, when I say preaching the Word of God, I mean God specifically speaks to you about something in your heart, in your life, and we walk out the door and we're no different for it. And he tells after this church has been founded in verses prior, Acts chapter number 17, and he tells us, and then 13 years later, Demas goes to that place having learned this place is not even responsive to preaching. I personally don't need you to come to the altar. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I love you to respond to preaching. But the fact is, I know that God doesn't always work that way. In fact, we could have a service today with no invitation, nobody come to the altar. It doesn't mean God didn't work. Sometimes it is time released. I preached a camp years ago in the Midwest, and I remember thinking, I told my wife as I drove home, and I spent the entire week there, I don't know, I preached a dozen messages, and it was like nothing ever happened. I, told, I remember telling my wife, that was the worst week of my life. Man, I felt like I was spent and, and, and preached, and I, I was exhausted, and, and I put a lot of time and prayer and effort into it. It was like nothing happened. Nobody moved. And man, I, I'll be honest with you, I was like, it was one of those want-to-get-away commercials. I was, I was really depressed. And I was, I was in the airport. In fact, I was making a connection through Detroit. And I, re- I remember this. A guy came up to me. He said, are you Stuart Mason? I told him, yes, I was. And he said, I was at a camp you preached. He told me the name of the camp. And he told me, it was about 10 years ago. And he said, I was sitting back here with three of my buddies. And he said, we probably, he said, you probably thought we didn't pay a bit of attention. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I remember you now. <laughs> you didn't pay attention, you scoundrel. And he told, me, he told me, he said, I just want you to know, he said, we came back after that camp. And he said, that camp changed our lives. And of those four guys, one of them was pastoring, one of them was a missionary. But I didn't know that because I left thinking nothing happened. And so you might leave and God do something else. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not saying it has to be demonstrated by a move down here. Because that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying it's got to be demonstrated by a move right here. There, there has to be something in our heart that said, I came to church, God spoke to me, and I wanted to be different. I, I really want to be changed. I, I, I don't want to get so used to church that nothing ever happens. And I don't want to become so cold and so callous that God can't get to me. It's like the child that hardens their heart towards authority and towards a parent, and they hear it over and over and over again. It's the child, and we can understand this as parents and those who have the the oversight of children. We'll see the child who rolls their eyes. We'll see the child who stiffens their neck. We'll, we'll see the child who is kind of hardened towards correction. You understand what I'm saying? 
And what happens is sometimes we get into God's house and the Spirit of God begins to work and begins to move in our midst and we become, spiritually speaking, those children. We don't move. We become unresponsive. And we know that was the case with this church that Demas went to because God told us in the book of Acts, he said, Antioch, search the scriptures daily and let me tell you about a church who didn't and what happened to them. They're gone. Nothing left. You go across America and you'll find churches that are boarded up, closed, shutting down all the time. I have preached in 46 states, and I have preached in churches with congregations, sometimes, sometimes where seven people are there, sometimes where 700. But I, I hear and read of churches across our country that are closing in unbelievable numbers. The numbers that I read from articles and publications like Christianity Today say that in America Today, three churches like us close every single day. Every single day. Dozens of churches across this country. Do you think it's because God said, I'm done? Has God just suddenly said, wow, you know, that was great. We had a great time back, you know, in the day. And people were getting saved and churches were started and communities were being turned around and lives were being challenged and touched and families were restored and, and, and pe- people were delivered from, delivered from uh, uh, addictions. And, uh, yeah, but, but I'm done and, and, and really, I, I'm kind of tired, and so I, I'm going to back off just a little bit. That has never happened with God. But it's happened with us. And I think one of the big reasons is we've stopped responding to the preaching of the Word of God. Listen, you're going to hear better messages, better preachers than this guy anyway. I, I know that. You don't have to say amen to that. I know that. But with, with God's help, I, w- I will try to, every single time I step behind this pulpit, give you something that God has specifically spoken to me about. Uh, that I, I will try to do that every single time. But you have to be willing in your heart to say, it's got to do something for me. I don't want to to just, you go to church? Yeah, I go to church. Where do you go to church? I go to church. I mean, I I go to Planet Fitness. I know where it is, and I have a membership. I have the shirt they gave me when I signed up. I've never worn it once. It's not flattering at my age. But I don't really go there. And sometimes for us here at Timberline or any other church for that matter, that's how church becomes to us. We're no longer responsive. Then may I say this further, disregard for the Word of God, looking at the same passage. In that middle part of the verse, in that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily. Let me ask you this, simple question. How many times this week have you Googled a Bible verse or something about the Bible? Or how many times have we searched about a celebrity or a sports team? 
Nothing wrong with those things. But, but he said, Demas went to this place, and they did not search the Scriptures, because he's comparing the two. He, he said, Antioch, now those guys, oh, you had to be preaching the Bible because they knew it. You couldn't just stand up and say, well, you know, I've, I, I, I could preach anything I want, and nobody in my church would even know the difference. Can you imagine such a thing? I've heard some crazy things broadcast from pulpits before that have made me scratch my head. And I've thought, who's hearing this? Who's listening to this? And sometimes it's, it's things where you fashion a God in your image, not necessarily like you, but a God that, that is comfortable with you. Your God that is okay with your habits, your lifestyle, your dress, your language, your customs, your crowd, your amusements, your God's okay with that. And so that's the God that you serve. That's the God that you worship. But I don't want us to ever come to Timberline and think, it's okay, I brought my God with me. And see, it doesn't matter what you preach, Pastor, because my God's cool with this. He doesn't mind that I drink, that I do drugs. He doesn't mind that I live how I want. He, God is cool with all of that because that's my God. He doesn't have any kind of problem with that. So help me out here. Don't leave me hanging. And by the way, does it really matter if you leave me hanging? Because I, I, I'm, I'm really just trying to preach what God says. And sometimes we just want, man, I just want to be comfortable. We get used to the mindset that I, I just want, man, I just want to come to church and I want to put my worship on. And I'm not even sure what that means. I had trouble putting my socks on this morning. I've noticed my legs have grown. I reached down this morning and I thought, where did they go? They're so far down there now. I mean, literally, it was, you know, and I still think I'm kind of athletic, but I was, I was putting my socks on. I thought, this is ridiculous. I, I, I wasn't kidding. Some of you are thinking, that's why I don't wear socks. I don't know. I, I get it. I understand. Start showing up in sandals. But that would be scary enough. Though the Bible does say, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. But I don't want to get so so custom to come to church that I just come in and it doesn't matter what you say, I know what, there was a song years ago, me and God, we got our own thing going. I remember hearing that and I think, really? Because nowhere in the Bible does that work so well. It didn't happen for Nadab and Abihu. They showed up and said, hey, we got a fire, we want a light and this will be good and we'll have our own worship before God. And God said, don't like that. He burned them up, he consumed them. One guy doesn't like Moses, and so he comes in and he says, I challenge you. I don't like how you're behaving. God opens the earth up. They swallowed them all alive, men, women, children, and everything they owned. You know that God gets ticked off? In fact, God says, I'm angry with the wicked every day. I don't want to be that guy. It doesn't mean I'm sinless, but I don't want to be that guy. Listen, I've had people mad at me before, and I'm sure I probably have a couple today. And I don't want you to leave angry. I want you to leave stirred and challenged, encouraged if you need that, and the Holy Spirit gives that to you. But I don't want us to get in the habit of just coming to church and showing up and nothing ever happening here. 
And there's a great danger in that, no matter who's standing here. So he said, Demas left me. And I know the reason. He loved the present world, but I also know where he went. It was a place that didn't respond to preaching and a place that had no regard for the Word of God. And then finally, when you leave, always remember this. Because everybody's going to be tempted to leave church at some point. If that were not the case, we'd be building new buildings all the time. We have more people here than we have when, when my wife and I and our family came here three years ago. But we have literally gone through hundreds of people who passed through. Hundreds. Literally. I mean, I, I can show you the visitors' cards, and that's just the ones who filled them out. We have had over 500 visitors. Over 500 who, who have filled out a card indicating that they're a visitor. That's a whole lot of Dutch bros. But you know what it is, kind of? Here we are. We go to church. That's all we're doing. It's like you show up, you pull in the parking lot of a car dealership. All right? You, you, know what, you know what's happening? You got three guys. They're all looking out the window at you. What kind of car is he driving? That beat up thing, he can't buy nothing. I ain't going out there. Right? Come on. You know what I'm talking about? Right? That's how we do church. We're just kind of kicking the tires. Can I help you? No. Just looking. You going to listen to preaching? I don't know. I'm going to listen to singing first. I'm not sure I liked it all. Guitar? Oh, I got a problem with that. I mean, I just don't know. That's, that's you. you guys stepping out this morning. Come on now. And so we're just kind of sampling everything. We're just... My wife and I were visiting not long ago, and uh, so I, I, we knocked on a door. Someone who had visited our church, and uh, they said, well, we're new to the area. We're just, we're just visiting, kind of looking around. I said, really? How long have you lived here? Ten years. <laughs> now, I don't, know, I don't know about you. My definition of new to the area is not ten years. How long can you still say you're new? If that's the case, how many of you are new? Ten years or less in this area. That's quite a few of us, all right? I'm thinking new to the area. I'm thinking six months maybe, maybe a year. You're stra- I don't even think I'm new to the area. I've been here over three years now, all right? But it, so, so we're still looking. And a lot of times it's because we want to find that. I, I want a place I can just feel at home. That's your house. That's not church. At home, you put on your jammies, take your shoes off, pick up that recliner, Pop some popcorn, watch your Netflix, binge if you want, but that's not church. I, I, I want you to feel welcome, but I want you to feel at home. I don't want you taking your shoes off in here. I, I'm, I'm just using that as an illustration. You can take your shoes off. Don't misunderstand. I want us to be uncomfortable when we need to be. I didn't really like the coffee. Well, I'm with you because I don't like any coffee. I love the smell of it. 
I love the smell of it. I can't explain it. I love the smell of it brewing, but I can't stand the taste of it. I don't even know why it's in existence, but you all love it, and your coffee snobs in the Northwest, I, I get it, I understand it. My wife loves it. Our children love it, except for Lauren. Lauren and I, we don't drink it, but we love the smell of it. But some people, I, I like the coffee bar. That's why I go to church today. Oh, the donuts, the pastries, magnificent. Cinnamon rolls, poppy seed bread. Now, that's a pretty good reason right there. Why do you come? Say, Pastor, are you trying to run anybody off? No, not at all. I want you all back. But I don't want church to be a place where we can just pack up. And we, we could take it or leave it. We're not challenged. We're not corrected. We're not stirred. We're not moved. Because if it is, one of two things has changed. When that happens, one of two things has changed. This or this. Are you with me? Now, maybe that's too blunt, but it is what it is. Demas, he's gone. Paul's getting ready to be executed. And he says, he left me. This is where he went. And I believe the Bible is pretty clear as to why he chose that place. I literally cry when anybody ever leaves Timberline. I, I do. I wish I didn't take it personally, but I do. It's, it's just part of being pastor. I write people. I, I, I send gift cards. I, I visit. I take my wife's poppy seed bread by. I, I do what I can to try to keep people in church. But at the end of the day, God has to be doing something right here. And you've got to be responding when he does. Or you're not in church. Where good people go to get away from God. I don't want to get away from God. I want him to speak to me just like he speaks to you. I want to be different because he spoke to me. And every time he does, I want to do something about it. We're going to have a very different invitation. No piano. I just want you to stand. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, nobody looking around. I'm not going to ask you or invite you to come to the altar, but I want you right there where you're at. If God did anything for you today, if he spoke to you in any way, it wasn't because, oh, you showed up and he didn't know you were coming and so he had to get something ready. It was because God in his providence, before you were ever in existence, knew you would be here today. And he said, I want to do something. Will you let me? I want to ask a very simple question. Nobody looking around, please. Nobody looking around. 
did God speak to you today? Just lift your hand up. Put it down. If he did, it's because he wants a response. What's your response going to be? Demas left, and it's the last thing we ever know about him. Don't leave. Timberline Baptist Church needs you. Your family needs you. This community, your workplace, your neighbors need you. And they need the best you you can be through the help of the Word of God. God's church, God's people, and the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, would you bless these words today from you. Lord, you spoke to me, and I don't want to be one who doesn't practice what I preach. Lord, I I want you to move and help. There are parents here who want you to help them and their children. There are families here that want you to do great works. There are some of us who are struggling who really want you to help us. There are some of us who are wounded and weary. And God, we need you to lift us up. But Lord, we know that this is the place. It's your place. And it's where you brought us today. God, please help us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You look this way just very, very quickly. Um, I appreciate you listening. Today was a very transparent, kind of in our face. It's not the easiest preaching. The easy, and I got all kinds of stories I can tell to make you laugh and have fun. And I love those. I would rather do that than what the Lord prompted in my heart this morning. But I think today c- could really help me. I think it could probably help all of us if we let it. We're going to have a meeting right down here in just a moment, and uh, Andy is going to lead that. And that's for those of you, if you have children second grade through graduating this, this year for camp, and then also sixth grade through graduating this year for youth conference, he'll have some information for you. Um, I'm going to head to the back real quick because uh, I like to see you before you cut out, and I want to see if anybody's going to shake my hand this morning. So... Um, sort of, but I really appreciate you. You know, I, I've thought many times, you know, it's amazing that, a, that people will come and let you, let them have it every week, sometimes three times a week. My dad told me one time, and I'm getting my stuff together because I'm going to get a head start here. My dad told me one time, he said, if people know you love them, you can say anything you want to them. And I just want you to know that I do love you. And all I ever want to do is be a help. So give me 10 seconds. Let me get out of here. And I'll tell you when you're dismissed. <laughs> you're dismissed. Have a great rest of your Sunday.
testing, testing, testing. This year, um, the camp director uh, contacted me this week. The theme this year is I Am New. It's Mount Zion Baptist Camp. Uh, it's about nine hours or so away. And uh, the dates are August 5th through the 9th. If you sign up by before July 22nd, if you'll sign up with me, if you sign up before July 22nd, the cost is $199. If you sign up after the 22nd, the cost goes up to $230. So uh, start thinking now. I'm gonna. What we're trying to find out is just kind of get a rough idea of uh, who's interested in their kids going to camp or their teenagers going to camp. So we can kind of know as far as how many chaperones this needs to be to have. Um, as course, junior camp is third third grade. Anyone going into third grade through 